mean, Chris would be within his rights to say, yeah, you need to just stop because this is bad. <laughs> <laughs> we were married Chris. 24 years as of oh, Monday. So. Wow. Congratulations. Wow. Congratulations. Yes. Happy anniversary. Yeah. We were together Amazing. five years before that. So we've been Dang. together for a freaking long time. Amazing. Oh, yeah. yes. I love that. That's her way of saying he knows better than he knows better than to criticize my goddamn show. Yeah. <laughs> but he could he could be saying, you know, you're too good for those people. And he's not saying that. So that's right. you know, there there are yeah. there are husbandly ways yeah. to criticize without yeah. you know, <laughs> you know, like getting in trouble. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Murder Husbands, an in-depth episode by episode discussion of Brian Fuller's Hannibal based on characters from the novels by Thomas Harris. We are Popsicle, a group of like-minded creators who enjoy getting together to have big conversations for big stories. I am, of course, Kelly Sue Milano. And with me as always, my just truly tremendous Popsicle co-host. Beginning with Justin Penniston, he is the writer of the hard-boiled webcomic Hunter Black, he was working on Netflix's <laughs> Sonic Prime. I was. He is also the Freddy to my lounge. Oh, hi, Justin. Hi. I think you just called me utterly contemptible, but I can live with that. Is that, be- <laughs> is that survivable? Because his, is that because of his hair? Yeah. It's because of his style and grace. Yeah. Like I'm just equating his hair to oh, Freddy yeah. hair. Right? I, I can put together an outfit of Andrew's t-shirt. Yes. <laughs> totally. <laughs> You know. Um, then, of course, my associate in all things Hex 11, the beautiful creator and artist of the comic book we create together, Lisa K. Weber. She absolutely is the Chesapeake to my ripper. Oh, that's sweet. Hi, Kelly Sue. <laughs> Hi, I love to make artistic things with you. Me too. Not murders. Murder wives. <laughs> <laughs> we have, of course, Philip Kelly. He is a creative jack of all trades. He has that. <laughs> Who drink beer from time to time? Oh God, no, I don't. <laughs> he is also the Jack to my Crawford, and really the Jack Crawford of this podcast because he is our fearless editor and leader. Hello, Phil. Hello, thank you. I'll You're welcome. That. And then finally. The Geekiest Guide to Cross-Stitch is created by this lovely woman. Her name is Claire Thorne, and she is probably... She's for sure the Frederick to my children. Oh, my God. I had no idea where that was going to go, and yeah. (laughs) Because we share a love of Raul Esparza. That's true. I, I just watched a find the show Finding Your Roots on PBS. Mm-hmm. They had Raul Esparza oh. on and it was so good. Fascinating stuff. Love them. Brilliant, love them. like just Cuban history. OG tick tick boom. If you loved the what was that? Netflix? Yeah. Yes. If you loved the Netflix adaptation, go and listen to the Raul Esparza tracks because mm. they are mwah. But before we get into that, or before we dive into this discussion today, Justin and Lisa will take us through a quick recap of Tome Wan. Welcome to the penultimate episode of season two, one that starts nasty and ends even nastier. Hannibal opens this one in his office during a session with Will. He invites Will to close his eyes and imagine what he would like to see happen to Hannibal. Objection! Leading the witness. <laughs> Will closes his eyes and imagines Hannibal in a straitjacket, dangling above Mason's murder pigs. The score sweeps as Will slices his throat and lowers him to the pits as his own blood drips from his toes. Not sure who's enjoying it more. However, it is just a Will dream, and soon we're back in the office, IRL, with Hannibal and that little shit, Mason. This dude is prancing all over the fucking place, (laughs) basically tells Hannibal that his drawings are garbage, puts his feet on Hannibal's desk, holds a switchblade to Hannibal's neck, and then uses that same blade to... 
stab his armchair. Strikes one through 10. Mason thinks he's sticking it to Hannibal for helping Margot, but wow, is he just hoisting his own petard. <laughs> Meanwhile, Margot examines the scar from her crude hysterectomy and all of us are ready for Mason Verger to hit the damn road. Due to form, Jack is confused. He and Will discuss their elaborate plot to capture Hannibal, and Jack is actually complaining that it's taking too long. While a lot of that time may have been saved by, you know, not putting Will in prison for Hannibal's crimes, Will agrees that he doesn't have anything to pin him with. Enter Bedelia Dumarier. She confesses to killing the patient she and Hannibal shared because, quote, she was under Hannibal's influence, and she's sure that Hannibal's doing to Will what he did to her. Hannibal has no idea about Bedelia's return or Will's involvement with the FBI, but he does know he's in a pickle when Carlo and his associate Matteo show up in his office. Hannibal stabs Matteo before getting dropped by Carlo's taser. Next thing we know, it's Will's dream made real. Hannibal's all strung up above the pig pen, straight jacket and all. Even his little toesies are <laughs> exposed. Mason is there and encourages Will to carve him up just a little, just enough for the pigs to get a taste. Yeah, he doesn't do that. Instead, he spins him around and cuts him out of the straitjacket. Carlo pops him one and he passes out. He wakes up to a brand new hell. Carlo has been eaten from the waist down and Mason Verger is in his living room, Will's living room, feeding his own face to Will's dogs. How cute. Hannibal is there, of course, and Will is like, he's feeding his face to my dogs. Hannibal says, He's broadening their palate, as I have broadened yours. Savage! Still, Hannibal is like, isn't this great? Look! And snaps Mason's neck. But because Mason is the literal spawn of Satan, he survives? Question mark, question mark, question mark. <laughs> Jack goes to question Mason and finds it both creepy as hell and totally useless. He doesn't know that Hannibal did a psychedelic number on him, but he definitely suspects that this kid did not get a, did not get this fucked up from tripping. Back at the ranch, Will is dramatically pacing while Hannibal colors at his desk and is like, this isn't sustainable, and that they need to give Jack what he wants, the Chesapeake Ripper. Hannibal has the actual audacity to say, Jack is my friend, and then supposes he deserves the truth. Pretty sure the truth actually means death. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> oh, oh, so good. Listen. <laughs> an epic synopsis for an epic episode. Mm. So epic. I need um, you to know that typically I'm writing these synopses at like 4.30 in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> so I appreciate y'all uh, smoothing out all of those spelling and grammar kinks. <laughs> um, okay, so this episode is so epic and so gross and so just everything you would want right before we wrap up a season. So I'm gonna start with what Bedelia says about Hannibal during her interrogation, which is that he'll only be caught via his pride in his own cunning and exquisite taste. And given that Hannibal and Will's relationship is more intimate to his knowledge now um, than we've ever seen, can we start to see him peacocking a little bit? Like, is Hannibal maybe getting a little high on his own supply at this point in the game, in the journey? What do we think? He's so sassy. <laughs> <laughs> he's definitely, um, his, he's at his sassiest for sure. <laughs> I definitely, yeah, I feel like he's, he's, feeling like pretty good about himself like almost through this whole thing even when he's like tied up above the pigs I like I feel like he knows he's just got it all on lock and he's yeah. like so I'm just gonna keep on fucking with everybody like totally. I'm gonna keep on taunting Carlo and I'm just gonna like cool yeah. as a cucumber yeah. this whole fucking thing and oh like my god, the scene, uh, like the, the scene with Mason, like at the end, the oh whole like fucking psychedelic circus. What? Oh my god! And Hannibal was so incredible during that whole thing too. I mean, uh -huh. come on, come on. Yes, he's peacocking. Yes, I think he's totally peacocking. And let's give a shout out to, uh, I mean, we shout out Mads Mikkelsen's performance a lot, but 
can we shout out the performances in that sequence specifically? Mm. Both Mads and Michael Pitt, just oh gorgeous. Yeah. Um, but yes, back to peacocking. It's kind of like Hannibal is having his own like Doctor Strange in Endgame moment where he's like, I've seen all the possibilities and I love them all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? yeah, totally, totally. <laughs> and they all involve a stray jacket. Yay. <laughs> yes, exactly. So Justin, what do you think? I find myself thinking and... I wonder if I'm being influenced by the fact that I've also just recently watched the next episode. I won't get specific mm-hmm. about that, but right. I am taken back to when Hannibal prevents Will from killing the dude in the stables. Mm-hmm. And Hannibal mm-hmm. says to him, you know, you are a constant surprise to me. You know, mm-hmm. he's like, yeah. you know, whatever it is I expect, you go- you always give me something different. And I think the fact that Hannibal is peacocking and kind of smelling himself right now is that's sorry, that's an old expression for you know, like I, you know, it's too, that's too that's too visceral of a description for this episode or for the, I, I really think that the no, I don't think Hannibal. I think it's the perfect amount it's of characteristically oh, sound. I would venture to say it's canon. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think that Hannibal believes that his success means he's even more of a badass than he thought, if that makes any sense, you know? Like mm-hmm. he believes that he is succeeding with Will yeah. beyond his wildest dreams. And mm-hmm. like I think Hannibal is not only caught up in the aren't I a badass of it all. Mm. But I think he's also like, he's very much, he's kind of smitten. You know yeah. what I mean? Oh, yeah. He's kind he's of smitten. He is, he, and it's not just like he's smitten with Will, but he's smitten with the life he anticipates with mm-hmm. Will, you know? Yes. Um, and I think, so I think he is getting to quote you high on his own supply. Um, <laughs> But I think I think it is a rare example of him succumbing to his own like emotion. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. normally, whatever else is true about yeah. Hannibal, he is cold as ice. You know what I mean? But I think he is becoming hopeful and anticipatory now. Mm. And I think that's I like that. You know. Yeah. Phil, I see you nodding in agreement over there. Yeah. I don't know if I have anything to add to what Justin just said. I I agree with it wholly and completely i um i mean here's a character that's just been kind of sitting around doing the same old thing for so long right mm-hmm. you kill someone you wait a little while you cook them like he's kind of <laughs> he's kind of found himself in a pattern uh you know yeah the grind and, oh. yeah kind of the grind stuck and, in a rut wow. i know yeah. what a rut what yeah, a rut what a rut wow uh, you guys just <laughs> keep them coming please get in you know uh but, but I mean, I mean, there's some truth to that. Like, how how long has it been since Hannibal's been excited about something? Genuinely. Like, how long is something... How He, he considers himself to be the smartest person in any room he steps into. And mm-hmm. I think Will is finally something that uh, yeah. intrigues him and interests him. It's like, oh, look at this little... This, this is better than every toy I've ever had in my life. It plays back. Uh, you <laughs> <Yeah>. know? <laughs> like, yeah. There uh, definitely is an error in his path, even then the murders that he kind of was so, uh, that were a little bit more artistic mm-hmm. in nature. Even then he seemed so kind of like almost put upon. <laughs> like he was yeah. like, oh, all right, I guess. <laughs> you know, Claire, okay. what do you think? Oh, sorry, Phil. No, 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 no. Please finish I, your No, thought. I just uh, like, as far as the, you know, the peacocking, I think he's enjoyed every step of the way of it. Like when he got to play Will Graham and be Will Graham, and start working on the detective team that that was mm-hmm. a level of peacocking like all of this he's found yeah. some level of enjoyment and i don't think he's experienced before so yeah totally claire i think a pretty large percentage of it um I, you can only understand if you're viewing this as a romantic comedy really yeah i mean it <laughs> is it's not just peacocking it's that 
Hannibal has is at that point of the rom-com where you're he's no longer having to wonder if this ob, the object of his attention is focused on him or interested in him and he's right on the cusp of that like knowledge of oh we're going to now move mm-hmm. into a culmination of of interest in each other and that yes. is maybe the most exciting place to that's why we have rom-coms right like we yeah. want to relive that moment it's even better i think sometimes even though it's symbolized by a first kiss right like it's mm-hmm. it's that moment of just like oh this is going to happen yeah and you get you the just the excitement and to see hannibal of all like we've said like everybody has already said a, a character who is so in control of every emotion and mm. every detail of what's happening to see him succumb even the slightest percent to that feeling of oh my goodness it's going to happen and i honestly didn't really know if it would right he mm-hmm. as, as good as he is he can't know no mm-hmm. you know he wants to yeah. he thinks he's god <laughs> he thinks he's omniscient but he's not and so mm-hmm. of course he has this feeling and it's um a little bit adorable um yeah. it's kind of and- a perfect mirror between like from because you know we're like the second half of the season where you know that that kind of first episode where where will is back mm-hmm. and out on the streets again and he sees all of hannibal's full design um mm-hmm. and talking about like how controlled Hannibal was in orchestrating all of that and so it's kind of like a it's like a perfect kind of mirror of like Mm -hmm. that moment of Will seeing the level of power and control that Hannibal has in all things Mm -hmm. um to this to seeing Hannibal just kind of being like um maybe I don't know but I'm I'm excited to see what happens Mm -hmm. it's more than just well and how perfect that they could have they they orchestrated it in this way especially using this romantic comedy structure because Mm -hmm. the the moments in the romantic comedy that you're talking about Claire always set us up for a reveal in the story right yeah and of course I'm not going to get ahead of myself obviously but um it's all of that builds so beautifully so I love that you make that that romantic comedy sort of we just parallel have to have we just need to be able to have the right um music for the the moment in the musical the rom-com musical (laughs) that is this that where Hannibal breaks into song um yeah and of course he sings somebody to love by queen (laughs) there we go it's interesting because I'm just seeing Hannibal deciding not to get on the plane he's not going to leave and he's going to run back through the airport <laughs> looking yes. for his yes. flannel clad love <laughs> yes i didn't mean any of it <laughs> i lied to you but, but like really he's... i lied to myself <laughs> <laughs> but it's like you know with all romantic comedies or romances in general it's that it's that vulnerability it's that like okay i'm going to i'm going to embrace the chaos of this yeah. And I mean, as Hannibal does with all things, he does it with a plum. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. He is he is announcing he his intention, his willingness to be hurt. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that chaos is a really perfect um, word to use to segue to my next question, mm-hmm. which is all about Mason Verger. Um, so Before we go dude, to Mason Verger, yes. I just want to, you know, because I feel like what we're not looking at Ooh, okay. in, in, in that bit of discussion was yeah. that Will is showing the exact same arrogance and, mm-hmm. you know, and maybe okay. undeserved overconfidence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But yes. because all I can think is that Will, you know, they make the point of having Will have a scene with Jack where he's like, he ain't giving me nothing. I got nothing. You know, I, I can't, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and I'm sorry. Is this not the episode where Will is in a room with Hannibal as Hannibal commands, you know, the, uh, the, the pharmaceutically influenced Mason Verger to eat his own nose. Is that <laughs> not a crime that, we, that he is a witness <laughs> to like, 
That's true. I don't think that Will Will thinks he's in control. And the fact that Will isn't cutting this off mm-hmm. maybe should be a clue that Will also is misled mm-hmm. by his own, you know, by his confidence in himself. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's I think it's, it's a good point. And I mean, like, as this has kind of been the 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 thing through this whole show so far is like is like who is will becoming and yeah there are lots of there are a lot of points where he could have cut things off um in this kind of second arc of the season there are a lot of points where he could have been like okay i saw hannibal do something illegal Mm -hmm. Um, but he doesn't because I mean, there is some reciprocation. It's not the exact, it's not a mirror. It's not the exact kind of feelings that Hannibal has. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. Um, there we it. Yep. Yeah. There, there you go. Okay. (laughs) Sorry. No, but there it is. It is. Yeah. Yeah. It's really true. And speaking of Mason Verger's nose. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> even better segue nice <laughs> this dude is pure filth straight up and down period mm-hmm. um and i really want to talk about the decimation of this dude in this episode um this entire show has a really incredible way of um using the shock and the horror and um you know, all of that that goes with all of these murders um, to so many different effects in terms of how the audience is receiving it and perceiving it. And, um, you know, oftentimes it's really to be like, oh my God, like this is just, I mean, I've told the story all the time of watching the show at the very beginning and being like, I don't know if this is for me (laughs) because so much of the murder and the gore is so intense. Um, but there is, it has an equally amazing way of using the same carnage to promote a catharsis, you know, kind of anytime we see a bad guy kind of get theirs. Right. Um, and it's super tricky to pull off. The show does it so, so well by Hannibal standards, Verger earned his very extreme fate, probably one of the more intense sort of like, I mean, it's, you can't even call it murder, but in a way it is, I guess. Um, and even though we know, we know about what goes on with Mason Verger from the books, we know that he gets wrecked. It still feels cathartic, right? Even though it's terrible and horrible and no, that should never happen to any person ever. There's still a part, there was certainly a part of me that was like, yeah, fuck this kid. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So I kind of just want to talk about that a little bit. Um, I uh, this scene is always interesting to watch for the exact reason you're talking about. It is so gross, like it, so gross. like barf emoji. For yeah. sure. <laughs> <laughs> but you're right. It is also completely. It is like really satisfying to watch this sort mm-hmm. of um, comeuppance for this sort of character, even yep. if it's like so gross. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way this whole scene plays out, where Will and Hannibal are talking, and it's they're so nonchalant, like, of course, this is what's happening to Mason Berger. Yeah, it's like it was never a doubt that mm-hmm. this was going to be Mason's fate. Right. Um, and <laughs> the fact that it's like played with this humor to the point where it's like I'm <laughs> the burp when Mason burps <laughs> after eating his nose. <laughs> oh my god! It's like. How is this so hilarious and so gross and so satisfying? And (laughs) like, I mean, wow, just, um, I don't know how, and I don't know why, I don't know what chemicals are like firing inside of my body that Mm -hmm. it's like, I dread and adore this scene. 
totally. when it comes along. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, exactly. I don't think I've, I don't think I've watched the entirety of the scene. There are all, I'm, I'm always turning away from it. So I don't think I've seen all of it even mm-hmm. now, like yeah. four, four, four viewings into it. And how many scenes like that do you, can we, any of us say that we've gone back to and watched over and over and over again, even mm, though we can't yeah. watch it. Although I'm always paranoid every time I do watch it to not miss the little, the one little white fluffy dog who's got blood smeared all over his little, like it just, the dog grooming that is going to have to happen after this whole thing is just like, there's so many dog baths that are going to need to happen. And oh yeah, I just, yeah, I, I can't, I can't muster up any form of sympathy for Mason Berger, Mm -hmm. especially after what he did, you know, the whole surgical scene with Margot and the, Uh it just, the feeling Uh that I had about what he does to her and the way he does it and, and the reveal in this episode of this huge scar that she has that Uh he purposefully left her with so that, you know, and all of the scars on her body, it's just, it, yeah, the, the lead up to this exact very specific punishment feels mm-hmm. like we've been developing this path to this place from the first episode of the series. Mm-hmm. Like it's just, and it, it again, hands us this thing where we are forced as an audience to recognize within ourselves, the paradox of being, of finding this thing abhorrent and mm-hmm. yet at the same time going, yeah, absolutely. This is the mm-hmm. right thing to happen. Yeah. Which is. And I kind of like to think in my own, the difficulties that I've had reconciling over the years with the character of Mason Verger, with the storyline as it is and how heinous and how disgusting it is. I've, I, I find a little, I find some answers to my internal questions in this episode where it's like, we, Mason Verger and the way that that plot plays out and what happens to him gives us a chance to see through Hannibal's eyes in a way, like almost identifying with him and why he does what he does, which in itself is a really uncomfortable feeling to have as an audience member, right? Um, but that is so much of what this scene offered to me in this, in this next, in this sort of second go round for me, Justin, you have some thoughts. I can tell by your face. I do have thoughts. Um, firstly, Claire, just Claire the shit out of me. Um, <laughs> Sorry. It's, I would. It would be like asking you not to breathe. Don't you worry. Right. I, am, I am perfectly content with you saying my thoughts before I can. That is perfectly fine. Um, Love it. I, prior to this show, hmm. I thought that Mason Verger was a lazy character in so far sure. as it was just like, we need to make someone that the audience, you know, would be happy to see Hannibal go to town, you know, see yeah. Hannibal go ham on somebody. Let's freaking, let's make that. going to go ham. I like yeah. that pun, by the way. Yes, I was, yeah. that was for you. Mm-hmm. Kelsey. That was a good one. Thank um, you. I picked it up. Big pun. Um, <laughs> and, you know, and I was kind of like, uh, this, this lessens the horror of Hannibal because you're mm-hmm. trying to cast him in this almost heroic light. You're trying to justify mm-hmm. making him the protagonist of the story, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and the show Hannibal then casts Hannibal as the protagonist of a story along of the story alongside Will, you know, mm-hmm. and in a much more elegant and thoughtful way. And so it allows me to come to Mason Verger a little more you know, hmm, now I can consider this character in a different way because I don't think he's Mm. just, you know, a a cheap and transparent way to manipulate my emotions, you know? Sure. Um, 
And I really, all of this is to say that the most gut-wrenching thing to me in this episode, the thing that I looked at was like, oh God, was Mm -hmm. the hysterectomy scar on on Margot. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, because watching Mason eat his own face and feed his own face to dogs, well, it's it's grody, you know what I mean? It's like, Mm -hmm. you know, like 80s horror film grody, you Mm -hmm. know? Yeah. It's also, I mean... Like Lisa says, I mean, he freaking burps. I mean, it's sort of played for laughs a little bit. It is, yeah. you know, it's almost cartoonish, you know? Mm-hmm. It's it's a cartoony sort of horror. Mm. But because we see what was done to Margot, and even if you're not thinking about it while you watch that scene, mm-hmm. you know, it's impossible mm-hmm. for Mason not to deserve what happens to him. Totally. You know, mm-hmm. like you have to bring yourself to remember this mm-hmm. is bad for will as well do you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. it's, this is not good that will is standing by and letting this happen to somebody you yeah. know even though the damage was pretty much mostly done by the time he got there but yeah um it also leaves me thinking when is will gonna just fucking lock his door <laughs> <laughs> hannibal well, i mean key. hannibal has a key yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. We've already gotten to the exchanging key phase. Yes, yes, they did that. <laughs> Good for them. <laughs> you know. Have we Hannibal, gotten to the okay. tooth? Have we gotten to the shared toothbrush phase? Hannibal's got that's a what little, I'm wondering. A little drawer in Will's room with he totally know. does. He's got some PJs. <laughs> I think when you your sure. significant other has forced an ear down your throat, that's kind of like sharing a toothbrush. <laughs> it's probably that's okay. probably yeah, that, that makes that's sense. when Close you enough. know it's official. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. Phil, talk to us. What are your thoughts? I mean, I, you know, Justin kind of nailed the tone of what I was going to say, like Verger went full Batman villain in this moment, cackling and half his face gone. And, you know, it was uh, it had that level of over the top uh, comic book level or cartoonish level. uh. That being said, I was watching all of it with one eye covered, wondering if I Mm -hmm. should cover both because it was pretty and not much, not much makes me squirm, uh, honestly, but that that was definitely one of those moments where I was squirming in my seat a little bit. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't necessarily feel a catharsis cause hmm. it's all horrible. <laughs> like in that moment, I was yeah. just like, this is all horrible. Like I, uh, I'm not feeling a catharsis in this moment. Um, You're like, this is just, wow. This is a, this is a real mess. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. This is a real mess. Uh, uh, tough one to clean up. Yeah. Um, you know what did yeah. feel cathartic to me hmm. was the fact that Hannibal left him alive mm. because it basically yeah. okay. put Margot yeah. in, it put Margot yeah. in control of the thing. Yes, I, I, I like I like that. that when when Margot yeah. when Margot steps up and, and when Margot's like, line. I'm gonna take care <laughs> yeah. of you. Yeah, that that was very mm, that was you know. cathartic. Yes, yeah, that was very definitely. Cathartic. Um, how how controlled can you be about breaking someone's neck? I mean, that felt like a coin toss. Like mm-hmm. it, it's like. You have to, at some I, point, recognize that okay, there's no way to really do this in a in a manner that says, "Oh, I absolutely know that this person's going to survive my break." I don't know. I think uh, I think uh, if you went to a chiropractor, I think they could break your neck and leave you alive. Well, Hannibal is also he, a medical doctor, yeah. and he's probably broken many necks. <laughs> yes, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. It's like I mean, he's got <laughs> enough experience with like he's intimate enough with the human body. True. That I I think he could I think he could yeah break a neck and I'm very just intentionally. Say, if we accepted the hydraulic animal suit, and yeah. we accept yeah. the guy who psychically watches replays of every murder scene i think this mm-hmm. is like th- this one gets <laughs> yeah no i'm i'm not you know? i'm not calling it out as a flaw in writing or anything like that i'm just saying that i i wonder if hannibal approached that that moment with a okay well i'm going to i'm going to snap his neck and this was either going to kill him or he'll live and either way is fine with me in this moment sure but it's just my question I have a, before we leave Mason Berger, yes, I have a question for the girls because I find it very interesting having this character of Mason Berger, as we've talked about being so cartoonish, like Mm. we're we're all correct in that you can't have a scene with Mason Berger without (laughs) 
some humor being, yeah. you know, a, a healthy dose of humor being um, diffused through the whole thing. And I, he's, but he's also the representative of domestic violence, violence against women. And yeah. I, I don't know what my conclusion is quite yet. I don't think about how, it, whether it's the perfect way to depict this kind of person, this kind of man, mm. um, in the cartoonishness yeah. of his violence to women, like depicting it that cartoonishly that, mm-hmm. you know, mustache twirly kind of, and, and I'd say that yeah. to make it sound like it's a bad performance or anything. Absolutely not. It's brilliant. Um, I just don't know where it sits with me as a woman in terms mm. of like this man, how he's being depicted. I don't know if either of you have any thoughts or for, for me, I mean, like I, um, I have like the, for me, I, I don't think that every representation of an abuser needs to like be a stand in for the insidiousness of abuse, you Mm -hmm. know? So, um, I think that I, I, so I think that like, I don't, I don't want to make Mason subtle as a character. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't wish that he was, mm-hmm. I like that he's over the top and it, and I mean, I see what you're saying. I get what you're saying, but I think as applied to this story in this instance, I find it appropriate. I find his yeah. depiction appropriate. Well, and I do too. And that's part of, but I, I, tend to end up questioning that because I don't come to it from the stance of, you know, obviously someone who's experienced mm-hmm. domestic violence that way. Um, but I think I do appreciate the fact that the, you know, the kind of toxic masculine ego is depicted yeah. this way in this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think for anyone, um, woman or not, even though, you know, women are, the type of abuse that we see from Mason Verger to Margot, obviously that's, that's pretty specific to a woman's experience. Um, typically your, um, abuser does take on cartoonish over the top ways of being. Um, not to say that I've experienced anything even remotely similar (laughs) to what Margot's experiences in this show. Um, but I don't think that there are many women who um, haven't experienced abuse simply because they were a woman in a space. Um, and I think that that makes this depiction of Mason Verger, to agree with both of you, pretty perfect. I mean, if he, if there, and also just narratively, if he wasn't like, egregiously awful this it wouldn't work Mm -hmm. if there was anything about him that was even remotely um uh like redeemable soft or redeemable exactly this whole thing would just this whole kind of storyline would just completely fall apart although Um, i also think it's fascinating that we get the toxic you know male abuser being mm -hmm. depicted as this like he is not particularly masculine in terms of the way he carries himself or, or anything else. And I, I like that detail of it too. Well, I would argue that there's nothing inherently masculine about being abusive. No. Oh, right. Yeah, exactly. You know, I think, and, and that's not defensiveness. That's, that's simply saying that being abusive comes in many, many forms. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, Yeah. 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 And I think we also get to see because he's played over the top and has an almost childlike sensibility or, or camp almost. Yeah. Or, yeah, exactly. That you can see in him, like he's this way because of mm-hmm. generations of terrible people. So I think that that was in, that to play him as almost like a little boy in a way. Um, was an was an interesting choice, even though he is a grown man, unfortunately. Um, okay, so I think this is a perfect place to take a break. Beautiful discussion. Um, when we come back from our break, we're really gonna dig in with our noob Phil and hear how it felt for him to watch this episode for the very first time. 
You don't want to miss it. So come on. Bill. Yeah. Hi. You are the Hannibal noob. Yeah. You <laughs> did watch this episode for I the did. first time in your life. I did. Um, and I know uh, as we're recording that you have also seen the next episode. Yes. Um, if you can, just kind of walk us through what was happening for you, man. Why well, I watched this episode for the first time. Sure, sure. Um, I found the... Uh, so, I mean, obviously, once the last like 10 or 15 minutes hit, it's hard to remember the rest of the episode. Cause it's pretty, uh, it's pretty intense and you're like, okay, what just happened? Um, uh, I think, uh, one of the moments right at the end that really grabbed me was when Will basically put, uh, Jack on the chopping block. He offered Jack up as the, as the bait. I was like, Jesus Christ, Will, does Jack know this? <laughs> like that's yeah. what you're kind of left with at the end of the episode, which is really wonderful. Uh, cause mm -hmm. you are, you are wondering the entire time, Will, just how far are you going to go? to get what you think you need to put Hannibal away. Um, you know, we were talking uh, an episode ago about so being so deep undercover, trying to get exactly what you want. And I think that's where Will definitely falls short of Hannibal and his scheming is Hannibal's much better at letting the chaos happen and sort of working mm -hmm. within that. Whereas mm -hmm. Will is trying way too hard to control every step of the, uh, every, everything that happens. And it, it really starts to show in this episode that's sort of kind of breaking apart um the i was already kind of aware that bedelia was going to show up again um you guys okay. kind of let things spill every you know a little bit here and there uh claire 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 i you know and claire gets so excited i don't i that isn't like uh she just gets excited and <laughs> she lets things slip you know i love that and, called and out by name <laughs> Well, when everybody's like, okay, I think we need to go to break now. I'm, I'm like, okay, Claire, just let something slide. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but what, what I found to be really interesting is how porcelain-like she looked in all of her shots. How mm. there, were, there were a lot of really subtle things being done in this episode with lighting, with mm -hmm. direction. Uh, there, there's when Hannibal and Will are sitting across from each other and talking their eyes are lit in exactly the same way. They both they mm. both have a reflection of light in their eyes. And it's like, you know, that visually you're seeing they're sort of uh, working on the same level or, or at least that uh, there's a greater connection there than there ever has been. And, and so in different ways, they're kind of showing the story visually. Uh, but Bedelia specifically, she felt like kind of a, she looked like a marionette almost. Mm. Um, in the way she was shot. Uh, she looked like a porcelain doll. She looked like a figurine. Um, and I, it's gonna be hard for me to talk about her scenes without the knowledge of what happens next. Um, but I, I, get, I get the sense from her that everything she's saying is in the moment is 100% true. And she's all about survival. And because we, we've talked about Bedelia a lot in the past, like what is her thing what is driving her what does she want out of this and i think it's just to survive mm. uh and i don't think that any everything that she's done up to this point has been about survival and i think getting away from hannibal is about survival mm -hmm. i think what happens next is about survival um and it's another you know we were you guys were talking just before the break about abuse uh what i see in her is someone who's been abused in a very different kind of way mm -hmm. uh and it's been said, I don't think Bedelia said it, but someone said, it's Freddie Lowndes. Like, if you can't beat Hannibal, if you can't beat your abuser, maybe mm -hmm. smarter to join them and survive. You know, and mm -hmm. I, think, I think that is Bedelia in a nutshell, uh, step by step. You know, she realized she's being abused. She gets away. She gets brought back in and she's like, all right, I guess I'm in. I guess I'll just not die. <laughs> like, like, just gonna you know, roll with these about, crutches it's about survival at this point mm -hmm. for a lot of these characters um so yeah those were some of my thoughts uh going through my head while watching i, I guess if there's anything more mm -hmm. specific you'd like to know because like i said it becomes a tangle and i've 
Usually, oh, I, Justin uh, has Justin, a question. Justin, I only watched this episode <laughs> once Justin because that that ending like bothered me so much. I had to take a walk. Well, <laughs> yeah. Ladies, yeah. ladies, you guys were probably asleep I when wasn't. Philip texted while watching episode twelve or having just yes. finished it because he texted our group text and was like, I saw that, episode yeah. twelve just fucked me up." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah, and so I'm curious, like where you were at exactly like you i mean you felt the need to reach out to us you mm-hmm. know well and- I, I i i've been going <laughs> i've you know i've had some issues with anxiety in the past several months as well so Ooh. definitely watching this episode sparked some of that anxiety a little bit so it, like it literally fucked, it literally <laughs> fucked me up i was like jesus <laughs> christ like i had a yeah i had a I took you 10 minutes and I watched off. I, I had <laughs> I, I took 10 minutes then I watched the next episode so I didn't shake it off much but then after mm. you know then I then I went for like a two-hour walk afterwards uh <laughs> yeah so it was you know it's a lot crammed Hopefully into not it. at night in the dark and it, the rain it was like it, it was it was at yeah, night in the dark it was both yeah. of those things it was it was it was not <laughs> raining it was not rain. it was not raining uh but I did not do it with earbuds in or music or anything playing I just like poof mm-hmm. I, was, uh, wow. I poofed um <laughs> yeah this uh these last two episodes this episode packed a lot um and it's uh you you know the the, the scene where uh Hannibal's hanging there and you know you've already had sort of the flash forward of Will seeing that instance you know cutting Hannibal's throat and them sharing googly eyes as he's lowered into the pit and you know Hannibal's googly eyes um <laughs> you know will's going to cut him down because he's like this is not how i want this scenario to go and again it's yeah. will trying to control where the scenario goes where everything starts to fall apart and that's the one yeah. that's the one big takeaway i got out of this episode was just will is just not as good in the chaos of the moment he's like this mm-hmm. is not the outcome i want so i'm going to cut hannibal down i want to get hannibal in a certain way which as somebody who comes from a place of law enforcement that's kind of what you're looking to do you like no this isn't how i want to catch hannibal i don't want him to get killed i want him to get caught i want justice i want him to mm-hmm. go in the way i want him to go um as i'm sure jack probably does too well you know until jack sort of you know we see in the next episode interesting mm. i see well, it more it's, interesting. It, it's not so much about controlling chaos to me as it is um Hannibal is very clear on who he is and Will is not. Yeah. Right. I'm with I'm with you, Lisa. Yeah. I think I don't think it's so much that Will is trying to to create a certain outcome. It's that Will doesn't know what outcome he wants. Yeah. I mean, exactly. at the beginning of the episode, Will he is asked to fantasize about what he wants to happen to Hannibal. And it's this scenario. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. And yet when the opportunity for this scenario arrives, he goes in a different direction. It's it, and it's because he doesn't know if he loves Hannibal or not. Mm-hmm. You know, like or or maybe worse, he just loves Hannibal and doesn't want to admit it, you know. It is option B. <laughs> I, yeah, I go to that section, that second option of I think where will is not staying in control of things is because he he has made up his mind there's a part of him let me put it that way that has made up its mind about what it wants to do in regards to hannibal and the higher will the making decisions about what i'm going to do moment to moment isn't willing to acknowledge that yet and and it's I don't even know if he knows that it's there entirely. I, I mean, Will seems like a pretty smart, savvy guy. So maybe he does to a degree, but. I, I would agree after watching the following episode. After watching this episode, that's where I was at. Mm-hmm. Okay, nice. Nice. Better good. It just occurred to me before we move on to our next segment, um, how interesting it would have been if we, similarly to our that episode was that we do for The Expanse, which we should go listen to, we have an in memoriam section that we do for that show can you even imagine (laughs) doing in memoriams for hannibal Uh, (laughs) no (laughs) 
we kind of do in our next segment, which is exquisite corpse. But um, I just had that thought and I'm like, man, that would take a real long time. But anyway, um, RIP Carlo, RIP Carlo. Mateo. Well, another um, Mateo. Isn't Mateo a character? Another, in an oh, yeah. another Look at that. So Claire is going to walk us through this episode's exquisite corpse. Which Kelly Sue, you declared me on my segue, which just tells me that the this episode has just culminated in the right way of like leading us to this moment because yes, I was going to introduce this and am introducing it now um, by saying that, you know, the, this isn't our typical episode of Hannibal, right? Like in, mm-hmm. in many ways, we don't have that like murder scene except for Will waking up and discovering um, himself by himself in the pig pen in the, yeah. you know, whatever, and lifting up Carlo's body um and and seeing that aftermath um and it made me carlo um has always been a very interesting character to me in hannibal because he is he's not so much a character is just like this archetype of of you know italian guy who you just look at Mm. once yeah you just look at once and you go oh i do not want to have anything to do with him because i will end up upsetting him and then there will be a whole vendetta against me and um so looking more into like carlo's existence in the show i was interested to find out that his last name is deo gracias which is oh. means giving thanks to god which somewhat interesting and also to find out that he's played by daniel cash who is completely disappeared into this role like and and honestly up until now i haven't paid that much attention to who plays you know guest spots Mm. um daniel cash started out his career as private spunkmeyer in aliens moved on to orphan black and he is of course our one of our favorite cheese dicks from the expanse uh dresden anthony dresden which he just completely disappears into this person right like you don't even you don't even wow really i think this guy's floor right yeah Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. very different but you don't even when you think about it you don't even really like take in this guy's face right like he is a suit and a hat and like a serious (laughs) expression and that's all he is but he's this guy who and and he's currently i think in the um the tv series clarice so you know Mm. all of that there um But my hot take from this whole scene, this exquisite corpse, <clears throat> is this idea of being, having justice be brought on you by being basically thrown to the beasts. And I think it's very nice and, and interesting touch that this guy is Sardinian and the fact that they make such a big point of it. Um, yeah. Hannibal, you know, is like, oh, you're from Sardinia and oh, you know, just connecting with that because Sardinians are like the Sardinia is you're supposed to have this um feeling that's evoking like you know the Sicilian like Italian mafia kind of feel but I I think in in not making it Sicilian making it Sardinian they're saying oh it's even older than that and Sardinia is like Sicily but but not modern (laughs) you know um, and so it's a direct callback, I think, to, and even the way they set up that scene, the, the set decoration feels like the Roman Colosseum. It's this mm. elevated wooden structure with things that are scary underneath the floor, kind of, and people being hoisted here and there and literally being thrown to the wolves. Um, mm. And in in Latin, it's damnatio ad bestias which there's you know it's just that was the term for you have been given a a a sentencing of being Mm -hmm. thrown to the beasts i don't know it that super super duper hot take but i think that that feeling is very pervasive in this particular Mm -hmm. like setup even to the point of like mason verger 
being a little Nero. Like you, he just feels like <laughs> the depiction of those just absolutely crazy Roman, you know, leaders, even with his, wow. his relationship to his sister. Right. It's just mm-hmm. like, yeah. it's all there. I'd oh, say yeah. that's more than a hot take. That's like a well-researched. Yeah, sure. That's a well-researched. If that was your hot was, take, Claire, if you were watching, you're yeah, like, that was, oh, that was not that, a hot that's take. Bestias, you know, yeah. Yeah. like if that's take. how your brain works, God yeah. damn, yeah. Sam. Like, you need to, yeah. we could do, we could do a two hour episode on that little <laughs> um, bit alone. Just that. Yeah, yeah that was take that. that went down a rabbit hole and it yeah. started at what started as a hot take became an exquisite corpse yeah. for the ages. That yeah, was a really exactly that was, awesome. yeah, that was really mean, beautiful. Yeah. A hot I take a hot is take. you being like Carlos weird. <laughs> <laughs> Let me look into this. <laughs> I was about to say my hot take was oh Sardinia like sardines, food, Hannibal. That's, <laughs> that was my hot take. All right. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, Justin well, just described is a hot take. Yes. <laughs> yes. That is a hot take. A lot a of beautiful exquisite corpse, Claire. Yeah. Amazing. A lot of that hot take Amazing. was fueled by the fact that even though my parents were very strict about my consumption of just like popular culture when I was growing up, one of the books that I had absolute access to, other than the Bible, was Fox's Book of Martyrs. Oh, yes, yes. Which was published in the 1500s and is basically torture porn on, yeah. on the page. Like, that's all it is in the guise of like, oh, we're so honoring when, when these. Cla- when Claire saw this scene, she was like, oh, this reminds me oh. of my childhood. Yeah, no, I've, I have read Fox's Book of Martyr yeah. multiple times from cover to cover, which is a very disturbing thing to admit. Yes. Like, hmm. it's... Okay. Metal. Well, now that you say that, maybe this Metal. really was a hot take the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was beautiful. Yeah. Um, mm. Thank you for that beautiful, exquisite corpse slash hot take slash peek <laughs> into your childhood. Um, so now we're at the point of the episode, like we come to in every episode, where we like to make a recommendation. <laughs> And Fox's Book of Martyrs. the honor of <laughs> yeah, making a recommendation right. based on this episode. So, Phil, you know, if viewers liked this episode of Hannibal, what look, else might they like? If you like to be disturbed and and taken through the ringer, uh, mm. two things, actually. One just popped into my head. And I would only suggest watching these to people, again, uh, These I, I would say these aren't for the fate of heart, but both of these movies had a moment or left me like, gut churned in the end uh funny games uh was a it's awful that also have michael pitt the the american version did and the american version is just as equal is the exact same film as the uh french version because michael haneke Mm -hmm. is uh you know he works in france and dutch and things you know danish uh he basically remade his movie and it's all about um torture porn and how it manipulates us and boy does it manipulate you this movie it's awful it's awful um, yeah. But it's it's an experience. So if you're looking for that, if you want an experience, the funny thing is, though, it's not it's not violent like torture porn. It's just it's it is emotionally yeah, it's psychological and emotionally de- like it puts you through the ringer. It's not like moment by moment tearing people apart, but it's mm. like. It's commentary on torture porn without itself being torture porn. So let me clarify that it's, it's very heady stuff. Like it's a very heady movie, like, it, mm-hmm. but it's all psychological. It's two people are kidnapped by sociopaths and just put through the ringer in like their cabin home by the lake. And it's mm. <laughs> Naomi Watts is in the American version um, mm-hmm. as well. Uh, so it's like some really great actors. The French version has some really great actors. Like it's a difficult watch. Yeah. Um, yes. Uh, it's art house. Definitely. Um, oh, Tim Roth is also in the American version. So again, mm-hmm. great actors. Uh, and I, I'm glad I watched it. I don't think I, I watched it twice. I watched both versions. Um, the other one is Straw Dogs. Um, Sam Peckinpah mm. is really rough. Uh, I left that with like my stomach in knots. Um, that made in the 70s, home invasion film. It's awful uh hard to watch <laughs> yes hard hard very hard to watch and then after watching that if you want to kind of decompress watch monty python's salad days, days the sketch uh, uh, salad days directed by sam peckinpah it's called and it's mm-hmm. very funny 
But uh, I guess if you're looking for something as equally as upsetting as this episode, watch yep. those. Super cool recommendation. Thank you. You're like, this movie, it's terrible. It's hard to watch. I've never seen it more than once. Yep. Go check it out. Go check it out. <laughs> Go check it out. How I feel about those. Well, I mean, we got a Hannibal, which is very art house. And that episode was it's hard. True. That art, that episode was tough. Both of these movies are art house. Yeah. And they are tough. There you go. They, they bring up some very complicated questions. They are fair recommendations. Society and very fair. humanity and everything. I very will be fair. watching The Fox and the Hound. <laughs> Could you consider Brother Bear? <laughs> Maybe. Anyway, that's a little inside joke for anybody who's listened to this podcast for this long. <laughs> um, okay, so that brings us to the end of this amazing episode. Um, if you liked this conversation, be sure to like and subscribe. Pops at blah, 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 blah. <laughs> be sure to like and subscribe to Popsicle on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you might listen. New episodes of Murder Husbands release every Tuesday. Next week, we'll be discussing season two, episode 13 of Hannibal Mizumono. This is, of course, the season finale, so don't miss it. Um, you can also listen to our other show, That Episode Was, in which we discuss episodes of television that are airing in real time. We began with Why the Last Man, and we just recently did the sixth season of The Expanse. Um, and we may have another one coming up soon. Well, as we figure that out, you can spend that time subscribing, sharing, leaving nice comments on all of the things that we do. Um, follow us at Popsicle Pod on all social media platforms to stay up to date with everything we have going on. You can also sign up for our newsletter at popsiclepod.com for all upcoming and ongoing podcasts and related info. That's P-O-P-S-K-L-P-O-D. Until next time, domo origato. This has been a Popsicle Podcast production.